You want to sing a solo or anything? Are you good with that? With that? Just the report, no solo? Okay. All right. This is one reason why I like to keep coming back to this church, because of what's going on in East Africa. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this is a very unique church that gets to have a report like that. And any and every, uh, any and all giving to the budget of this local church goes to that effort. So when Jesus Christ comes back, that's going to be on our account, beloved. Amen? Thousands of people coming to know Jesus Christ. Amen? <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, I've been uh, on the mission field, and I have seen where really the goal is to get uh, collect decision slips. You guys know what a decision slip is? Like when you preach the gospel and you pass out the decision slips. Hey, did you pray the prayer right there? You know, this isn't decision slips that the pastors are collecting. These are people, they're, they're going, they're ministering, and these are people that are coming to Jesus Christ and they're being baptized in a local church. That's a whole lot different from, can I get an amen? You know, can I raise your hand and sign the dotted line? You know, it's very easy to manipulate people in the third world that way. And we ain't about it. We ain't about it. That's a technical Greek term. We ain't about it. Amen. Amen. So as we begin our study, our uh, further study in numbers, I would like to invite you to turn to the book of Jude. Ooh, excuse me. I just blew up the sound man in the back. Sorry about that. Jude. What's the last book of the Bible? Jude is one door to the left. Did you know Jesus had four brothers? They're actually named. James, Joseph, Simon, and Jude or Judas. This is in Matthew 13, 55 or Mark 6, 3. And it seems as if Jesus' own brothers did not believe in him as Messiah until after the resurrection. I wonder if they heard stuff about their Bible when they were growing up with Jesus. What do you all think? You think so? And I wonder if after the resurrection, they connected all that they heard from Jesus' own uh, brother. Uh, I wonder that uh, Jude connected with all that Jesus was telling them about the Bible, which is the Old Testament, right? And, and connected all of that with him, right? With him. So today I have three incidents and three individuals, okay? It's funny that we call the book of Jude, Jude. It's more like a sheet of paper, right? It's one, it's one sheet of scripture. It's more like a tract. And as I begin, I want to uh, um, um, ask you to hear my preaching in a certain way. Well, what do you mean by that? I mean it by Proverbs 18, 13. <clears throat> Quote, he who gives an answer before he hears it it is folly and shame to him, okay? So as we go into the word of God and you're hearing things, maybe for the first time in your life, don't, don't, don't uh, be foolish and don't bring shame on yourself in quickly dispensing with it. Well, I've never heard that. Don't do that. And then also, uh, Jesus Christ said in Luke 8, 18, quote, take care how you listen. Take care how you listen. He also said previously, 
uh, take care what you listen to, but he also said, take care how you listen. Now, why would I begin that way? Because all of us, myself included, we all have what? Filters. We all have our own individual filters. So it, it actually takes effort to listen to the teaching and preaching of God without your individual filter. In some ways, we can't escape it. I get that, right? But, but as, we, as we go through uh, the Bible, that's, that's what I'm asking of you. What did you uh, happen to hear about uh, Chuck Yeager? Does anybody know the famous test pilot, Chuck Yeager? Okay, the older folk, yes. Maybe the young ones, not so much. He was flying an F-86 combat jet fighter over a lake in the Sierras. And uh, here, I think I have a picture of it. And he decided to buzz a friend's house near the edge of the lake. <laughs> uh, you're not supposed to do that, by the way, as a test pilot. You're not supposed to buzz your buddy, okay? Let's see here. Do we have it? Yeah, there it is. During a slow roll, he suddenly felt his aileron lock. All right? And Jaeger says, quote, it was a hairy moment flying about 150 feet off of the ground and upside down. Who does? Yeah, that's why he's the famous test pilot. Who flies 150 feet off the ground upside down? Okay? A lesser pilot may have panicked with fatal results, but Jaeger let off of the G's, and sure enough, the aileron locked. Now, if you don't know what an aileron is, I didn't either. I had to look it up. There you go. It's those small little flaps there towards the edge of the wings. They locked up. He's upside down at 150 feet off the ground. Well, he got out of it. He climbed to 15,000 feet where it was safer, and he tried the, move, the maneuver again, and every time he rolled, the problem occurred. The aileron would lock. Jaeger knew three or four pilots had died under similar circumstances, but investigators were puzzled as to what's the source of this? Why is this happening? And so Jaeger uh, sent a report to his uh, superiors, and the inspectors went to work, and they found that a bolt on the aileron cylinder was installed upside down. That was the cause. The reason why Jude wrote his letter was because some false teachers were turning the gospel upside down. They were turning the gospel into a license to sin. And these false teachers had crept into the church they were among God's people, but some of them didn't even notice. Do you think that's happening today, beloved? Okay, yeah, let's make that crystal clear, right? Not just in the evangelical church at large, but perhaps even in this church, that's why it's their past. That's why God put shepherds in the church, to watch, to watch for wolves and for goats and for false teachers. This creeping is also occurring in our day. So the good news of Jesus Christ, his, his death, his resurrection, and his return tells us that God repairs the consequences of evil and suffering to those who believe. Amen. Amen. Does anyone struggle with the problem of evil and suffering? The good news of the gospel is Jesus, uh, God fixes it in Jesus Christ on an individual level and on a, in, a, in a global level. So as we get to this one-page letter, allow, allow me to prepare you. I want you to see how the brother of Jesus connects the false teachers of his day 
with the wilderness generation, the flood generation, and the Sodom and Gomorrah uh, generation. They all fit together. And you may be thinking, what are you talking about? How do they fit? Well, that's because you and I never went to Jude's Sunday school class. Amen. But we have his notes. We have his notes. So let's listen to the half-brother of Jesus Christ himself and watch what he does. If you have a big Bible understanding of the gospel's big story, you're going to follow the logic of Jude's thinking. If you don't have a big Bible understanding of the gospel's big story, then you're about to be taught it by Jude, and hopefully, because I'm piggybacking on Jude, you're going to see it, okay? Amen. And then, of course, we will uh, actually dare to apply these things to our modern world, and that's where it might get a little bumpy. Can I get an amen? So buckle up. It's, it's worth it. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for your half-brother Jude who wrote this one pager. And I pray, God, that you would open our eyes that we might see wonderful things from these words that are ultimately, as we know, your words, for you have inspired them by your Holy Spirit to the end, God, that perhaps you would bring salvation to those who are lost among us, whether in the room or online. And perhaps, God, that you would strengthen those that are weak, those that are fearful, those that are anxious and struggle with uh, anxiety or fear. Lord, that you would give direction. Lord, we need you, so come and have your way with us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Hear the word of the Lord. This is Jude 1, verse 1. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are, what? The called, the elect. Do you see how out of the gate he's reminding them of who they are? The only reason why anybody is in Jesus Christ is because you've been chosen before the foundation of the world. <laughs> Amen. Not because you're smarter than other people. No way, Yahweh, on that one. To the what? The called. By the way, you know the word church in the Greek is ekklesia, and it means called out ones? The very fundamental understanding of the church are those people who have been called out by God. Beloved in God the Father and kept for Jesus Christ. I can't get past one, sorry. Kept for Jesus Christ. Let me, let me just remind you, Okay, with all the hubbub going on in the world, let me tell you something. If you're a child of God, you will be kept until the day you die, which God has that on his calendar, or when Jesus Christ splits the eastern sky. He's keeping you, child of God. Amen. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you and... Uh, write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once and for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long before marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now, watch the sequence of Jude's brain. 
okay? Watch the associations that pop up in his mind when he's thinking about these false teachers who are messing up the gospel, turning it upside down. Number one. Uh, oh, wait, here's, I was gonna show you this slide. You've seen this before. This is just a quick review. This is how numbers is used in the New Testament, right? Matthew, Luke, John, Paul, author. And what are we doing? We're piggybacking on Jude, Okay. I think I have, yeah, there's the structure of, of, of numbers. This might be new to uh, first-time guests or first-time seeing this. So it's basically, it, it's, it's uh, involving three different wildernesses, and you see them there with some travel going on in between. All right, now let's, let's go to number one here. Are y'all getting dizzy? Do I need to take those off? Whoa, okay. Number one, remember to avoid the sins of those in the wilderness. All right, let's go to verse five. Remember to avoid the sins of those in the wilderness. All right? And then let's go to verse 5. Am I, am I going too fast? Can I, can I put verse 5 up there for you? I'm asking. Okay, thank you. Because I want everybody to see this. This, ain't, this isn't Pastor Mark. Well, it is Pastor Mark because I'm preaching, but this is you. Look at this. Now, I desire to remind you, though you know all things once for all, that the Lord, after saving a people out of the land of Egypt, subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Stop right there. What is Jude referring or reminding them about in verse 5? Well, we know this, right? We know this. He's talking about what happened at Numbers, the big event as to what happened in Numbers. Now, the phrase, one, uh, all things once for all, do you see that? You know all things once for all. Do you see that? In Jude, this pertains to all of the essentials of the faith which the apostles instructed at the time of their conversion. So what he's about to roll out is what the apostles and, and Jude taught baby Christians. That's what that means. Just reminding you about this. You guys already know this. We, we taught this in your Sunday school class when you were a teenager or when you were you in the children's ministry or children's department. We, we taught you this stuff. When you were an adult and you came to Jesus Christ, this is what we taught you. You're just, I'm just reminding you about this. And isn't it fascinating that the first thing out of the gate is something that happened in where? Numbers. Wow. So do you see what is the first essential that Jude brings up regarding what brand new babies in Christ were instructed Right? He's talking about what happened in Numbers 14. Okay? Numbers 14. <clears throat> you can turn there or you can just listen to me. Here's verses 1 through 4. Uh, and actually, this is just a reminder to you. We've already covered this two or three weeks ago. Then all of the congregation lift up their voices and cried, and the people wept that night. All the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt! Or would that we had died in this wilderness? Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become plunder. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us appoint a leader and return to Egypt. It was go time, and they said, it's no time, right? Wow. When you look at evil without looking to God, then that leads to fear. And when you fear, that means you do not believe God. Do you all know that? 
right? As a reminder, if fear is flooding your hearts, you're not filled with faith nor the spirit of God because God did not give you a spirit of fear. And the wages for not believing God is destruction. Everybody who I just quoted, they all died. They all died. So we must avoid a certain kind of murmuring. They murmured, right? The murmuring shows lack of faith in God's promise to give them the land. They refused to go into Canaan. So God decreed that all the Israelites guilty of disbelief in uh, age 20 and over, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb, should die in the wilderness. This is a big deal, a big deal, so much so that God wants it on the front burner with, the, with Jude. Now, why, why did they say, no way, Yahweh? What filled their heart with fear? What did they see? They saw what? giants they saw manifested evil they, 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 they saw uh, evil incarnate that's what a giant is <laughs> it's evil incarnate so the giant problem exposed a more giant problem right they saw the sons of Anak talking about bringing new meaning to my three sons good grief y'all remember my three sons Again, the older people will, sorry, right? Here's the giant problem. Now, now, many of you have already seen this before, but my next question to you is this. Have you ever looked up, have you ever taken a picture of the chart? Have you ever looked up all those scriptures, right? Or did you say, oh, okay, that's weird, next? <laughs> no, you see how this fits? The reason why they said no way Yahweh is because they saw giants in the land, evil incarnate, the half-brother of Jesus uses this e event as basic teaching to new Christians. You know, I hear a lot of talk, and good talk, by the way, among uh, my Reformed brothers and sisters about catechizing uh, new converts and catechizing their children, and we talk about teaching our children the ways of God, right? Well, according to Jude, I don't think that we can improve on Jude's catechism. Half-brother of Jesus, you might want to piggyback on this in, within your family and teach them the big, the big Bible story. It serves as a warning to them, and it serves as a warning to us now. And so what the Lord is speaking to us, verse 5, is this. Don't become an, a, a Christian apostate. apostate. Don't become a Christian apostate. And this is why Jude, the brother of Jesus, writes verse 6, which is the basis for the second Old Testament type or incident. So follow his chain, train of thought. All right, number two. Remember to avoid the sins of those prior to the flood. How do the sins of those prior to the flood connect with numbers and the wilderness generation? Numbers 13, 33. If, you, if you're writing notes, write down numbers 13, 33, which says this. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak are part of the Nephilim, and we became like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Okay? That was Numbers 13.33. Look at, look at uh, Jude, the very next verse. Oh, wait. Sorry, I just I quoted it to you. There it is. And the chart shows you that the Nephilim are here, and then all the other giants come from the Nephilim. 
By the way, do you guys know what the Septuagint is? Right? So the Hebrew people, they translated their Hebrew scriptures into Greek, right? And guess what Greek word they used for the Nephilim in the Septuagint? Gigantes. Does that sound like an English word? Gigantes? Giants. Giants. So Nephilim are giants. So look at verse 6. And angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. No wonder he brings up the angels who did not keep their own domain. They're the ones that produced what? The giants with women. The only event recorded in the Old Testament that depicts angels leaving their proper abode abode is Genesis 6, 1 through 4. Okay? Everybody hear that? That passage says, the sons of God saw that the daughters of mankind were good, so they took wives and produced the Nephilim or the giants. Again, this is what Jude and the other apostles taught new baby Christians. It's not fringe. And if you're like me, I used to say, no. No, no, he's talking about the angels that sinned, what? Before Adam and Eve sinned. And then I went looking in the Bible and digging for that verse, and guess what? In the Old Testament, it's not there. It's not there. The, that idea is based on Milton's paradise lost, not the Bible. It's funny how things seep into our understanding of theology, right? Now, go back to verse 6, and it's not going to make sense if you believe that because what did God do with these angels? Celestial jail time. Right? Incarceration with these angels. So obviously not all of the angels who supposedly rebelled before Adam and Eve are in angelic jail, so that doesn't make sense. Right? One good principle, this is a reformed principle by the way, one good principle of scripture interpretation is uh, you use other scripture to comment on other scripture, right? And the apostle Peter basically says the same thing as Jude. He just says it a little different. In 2 Peter 2, 4, it says God tartarized them. God tartarized them. God threw those angels into Tartarus, okay? And that's what Peter is indicating here in verse six. By the way, this is kind of scary these angels are going to be released back into the earth according to Revelation 9 to inflict harm on humanity. These bad boys are going to get let out, of, let out of jail and they're going to inflict judgment on the earth. There's actually a description of them in Romans 9, but we can't go there. Well, have you ever heard of Tartarus before? Right? Ask uh, Dave McRide. He can tell you more than I can. Tartarus was the place that the Titans were sent, Right? Who were the Titans? They were the children of Father Heaven and Mother Earth, Uranus and Gaia, who were defeated by Zeus and the Olympians in a 10-year war. As a result of this war, the gods, the Titans, were banished from the upper world and held under guard in Tartarus in the underworld. So ancient Greek and Roman religion or mythology distorts what's going on in Genesis 6, 1 through 4, but you can see the parallels and the distortion is to be expected because that's what wicked spirits do. They alter God's word, okay? Now, there is a passage which actually tells us what all of the sons of God were doing 
before the Garden of Eden and before the fall. You guys know what the angels were doing? Job 38.7 tells us, quote, this is where God is speaking to Job. Oh, yeah, God's speaking to Job because he's like, uh, my life's not fair, give me an answer now. And his three, uh, three friends speak, and the three friends uh, are a bunch of hot air. They help zero with Job. All right? God finally speaks, Job 38.7, where were you, basically when I created the world, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? So that's a verse to tell us what all the angels and the sons of God were doing as God created the world. So I think we should go back and reread the creation account in that way because with every let there be, you got sons of God high-fiving one another. Wow, that was awesome. And with every uh, God said and it was so, they're like, yes, yes, praising God. They're shouting for joy. By the way, that uh, saying together, when you look that up all in the Old Testament, it's actually a military term. It's what warriors do on the battlefield. Yes, yes. That's what they were doing. And it says all the sons of God were doing it. So by the time we get to Genesis 3, we are seeing both, most likely, both the fall of that wicked devil and the fall of humanity at the same time. At the same time. And you need to hold both of those as you go out throughout the whole rest of the Bible because they're contiguous. They're contiguous. They're together. They're together. But there's another verse that I thought of that perhaps you're thinking of and that's Revelation 12. What about Revelation 12, 3? It says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on his head were seven diadems, and his tail swept a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth, he might devour her child. So see, isn't that what happened? The third, the, the third of the angels, the third of the stars were swept right before Adam and Eve sinned. No, no. Go back and read the context of Revelation 12. What's the context? It's the birth of Jesus, not Adam and Eve, okay? So, by now, perhaps I've lost somebody. What does this have to do with me, all right? I'm fighting with my wife. I'm kicking the dog. What's going on? What does this have to do with me? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Those bad angels come down and they teach humanity how to sin better to the degree that it's so bad God washes the world and says, I'm starting all over. I'm sorry I made you. That's pretty bad. So I'm gonna give you four things and, let, and you tell me whether these are relevant or not as it relates to the sons of God coming down. You tell me if it's re, uh, re, uh, relevant to you. Number one, occult knowledge. Occult knowledge, hidden knowledge. That's what the angels taught. Anybody, anybody uh, like my uh, grandfather who was tempted to be a mason? That's occult knowledge, 33 degrees. God has given us what he wants to know about the spiritual realm and the future in his word. Anybody tempted to go to a, you know, a palm reader, right? This witchcraft, uh, what's the uh, what's the comment? Not light as a feather, stiff as a board. What's the the Ouija board? 
Right? Anybody play with a Ouija board? That's what I'm talking about. It's occultic knowledge. It's hidden knowledge. Number two, drug use. Is that relevant today? That's how the sons of God messed up humanity. Drug use, the cutting of the roots. God wants our minds to be clear. Number three, violence and bloodshed. You think that's relevant today? Where's that coming from? Why are we doing that? Evil spiritual beings are cooking it up. That's why. That's why. And back then, it was so bad. These guys are so evil, God takes them and puts them in celestial jail. That's how evil they are. God wants us to pursue peace and justice in our families and in our community. Anybody ever heard of the Hyde Amendment? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the Hyde Amendment. Okay, good. You'll be taught something. Because the majority haven't. It's a 43-year-old law that prohibits taxpayer-supported health care programs from using federal funds for abortions. And Biden reversed his position last June, and he denounced it. After his 150 years of being in Congress, he, he reversed his position. Okay? Why? Because of the pressure from the progressives. That's why. On January 28th, what's today's date? What's today's date? On January 28th, Biden is reportedly slated to repeal the policy sometimes known as the global gag rule. You guys know what that is? It, it bans groups abroad that receive U.S. aid from performing even or even discussing abortions. It's also called the Mexico City policy. It was first enacted by President Ronald Reagan in 1984. It then became something of a political light switch, turned off by every Democrat president and back on by every Republican president. President Trump, however, expanded the policy while previous Republican administrations had barred family planning organizations abroad that receive U.S. aid from discussing abortion, Trump made the policy apply to any health organization that receives U.S. money. Did you guys know that? It was part of a broader push by Trump to restrict access to abortion, one of his administration's central policy priorities and one that ended up impacting every aspect of reproductive health care in the United States and around the world. Did you know that? You should have. You should have. You should have. So, if you're helping a political entity or a politician that, that takes our U.S. tax dollars to support abortions overseas, if you help that happen with this last election, the first thing you should have done when you went to this table right here and put the cup to your lips and the, uh, the wafer to your mouth, you should have begged God to forgive you. You should have begged him. But it's worse. It's actually worse than that. You know, with all the hubbub here and there, I just didn't want to vote. Seriously? And if that's you, you should have begged God before you took his... his his cup and his bread. You didn't even vote? You didn't even get in the game? You don't realize what's at stake? See? I'll quote Jesus. If you're not for me, 
you're against me. And if you're not gathering with me, you're actually scattering. On or off, which is it? Which is it? And if I haven't done a good job as a pastor to show you how the gospel of Jesus Christ impacts things like this, then I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness if I have not made these things crystal clear to you. Some of you have criticized me. You should have been commending me. You should be commending me. Because when I get up here, I speak what God has put on my heart according to his word. And it ain't, it's not loose. I might, listen. Okay. I didn't say that for your applause. Many of you are busy, 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 busy. One of the things a, a pastor and elder is called to do, thanks to your all's busyness, because you get to pay us, amen, is to listen and watch and hear, Right? and you're busy and you don't know stuff and you're not looking up primary source material like I am and John is about these matters and you're hearing it from social media here and hearing it from this here and I'm hearing, I'm digging it in primary source material okay I'm not saying I'm Moses I haven't come down from the mountain I might get some things wrong but before you're real flippant to not listen to me you might want to think about, I've spent hours before I got up in here. And I prayed hours before I got up in here. Okay? This, this is relevant. This is so relevant. Occult knowledge, drug use, violence, bloodshed. Number four, if you're, if you're uh, keeping up. Number four, sexual immorality. <laughs> is that not relevant? The sons of God were having sex with everything. It's weird, man. They're trying to corrupt humanity biologically with taking wives and producing this weird, what, a hybrid giant? It's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Welcome to the Bible. It's actually not the weirdest thing you've heard. The, the weirdest thing you and I have ever heard is the virgin conception and birth. Hmm. Maybe they're connected. And they are. But I've already talked to you about that. All right, number three. Man, it's good to be back. Number three, remember to avoid the sins of those in Sodom and Gomorrah. This is in Jude uh, 7. I'll keep that up just for a minute for you to, to write that down. Remember to avoid the sins of those in Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 7. This is connected with Genesis 18 and 19. And you might be thinking, well, this doesn't have to do with numbers. Well, just watch. Just watch. First thing comes to his mind, he's got false teachers running around in the church. Many of the people in the church don't even know they're false teachers, don't know that they're do what they're doing is disastrous in the church. What comes to his mind? Numbers. When they did not believe and go into the promised land. Why? They saw the giants. Right? They saw the giants. And then his mind goes to the angels that sinned. Right, because it's connected to the giants. You got the children, then you got the fathers, right? And then his mind goes to what? Here it is. Here it is. His mind goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities around them, since they in the same way as these, indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh. What's he talking about? 
are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. When you read Genesis 18 and 19, you know exactly what he's talking about. The Lord brought two angels down to an old man named Abram. And he says, hey, guess what? Uh, By the way, they're called men. They're called men at least seven times in Genesis 18 to 19, the angels. They're called men, men, men. Why are they called men? They look like men. And we're having problems defining what that looks like now in our society, right? I digress. So notice here, verse seven, gross immorality and went after what? You can see it for yourself. Is Pastor Mark crazy? Probably so, but not right now. Look at verse seven. They went after strange flesh. Flesh, who's he talking about? What's the sin going on in Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality. And whoa, these homosexual militants, we've got two strangers up in here. New blood, new flesh. Those two angels were sent to rescue who? Lot, drag them out before the great balls of fire were tossed by Jesus. I think it's Jesus who's tossing it, by the way. But I I can't prove it to you. But the Lord rained down. Great balls of fire destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities. There's like five of them. Remember the story? What are they going after? These guys come down. uh, The angels come down. They look like men. Evidently, they can transform to be men. Another scriptural evidence to uh, support that understanding of Genesis 6, 1 through 4. And they want to have sex with these angels who are in the form of men. To the degree they're pounding on his door, uh, Lot's door. Let's have those two guys. Let's have those two guys. That same militant spirit is alive and well in America. Demanding, demanding, demanding. Lot? He's called righteous Lot in the New Testament. How is that? He says, well, you can have my virgin daughter, some father. I'm going to punch that guy in the face. What are you, idiot? Okay? That's how corrupted he is. What? Oh, you can have my virgin daughter. And the militant homosexuals are like, no, we want the men. Strange flesh right there. The strange flesh is that angelic flesh. I'm telling you what, somebody, please never say the Bible is boring. That just grates on my nerves. You're not reading it, man. (laughs) You're not reading it. Read the Bible. It's the greatest blockbuster ever, ever. Okay, those are the three incidents. Let's move on uh, to the three individuals, okay? Three individuals, how's my time? Quickly, quickly. Number three, the archangel Michael. Remember to avoid the sin of rejecting and reviling authority. So let's remember to avoid the sin of rejecting and reviling authority. I think I I have this so you can see it for your own eyes. Can I go ahead and go to the scripture? Or do you you have that? A little bit more time? A couple more seconds. Sometimes my points are long. I could have just put up there, rejecting and reviling authority. Would that have been easier? Sorry, I I was taught to put my preaching points in full sentence form in the, in the present tense. All right? Remember to avoid the sin of rejecting and reviling authority. Let's take a look at it together. Oh, you've already saw that one. There we go. 
There we go. Yeah, we can see all this together. Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming, now, now, he goes, now he goes back to the false teachers, back to the false teachers, also by dreaming, defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Literally, the Greek term for majesties is glories. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, the Lord rebuke you. He has not left numbers yet. Why? You see his mind? You see the train of thought? When did Moses die? Right? He died in the wilderness. He was not allowed to go into the wilderness. You remember that? He struck the rock twice. We might bring that up, uh, Lord willing, next week. But he was forbidden to go into the promised land. He dies, and the devil's like, excuse me, you're a sinner. I want his body. And evidently, there's a battle here with Michael. It's more of a legal confrontation. But even Michael, the archangel, see, there's angels in there, then there's archangels, and he didn't even... Uh, uh, dare to bring a railing accusation but said the Lord rebuke you which is probably a quote from uh, Zechariah 3 the Lord rebuke you now where in the Old Testament do we get this uh, narrative of the archangel Michael battling the, bo- uh, the devil over the body of Moses where do we get that you won't find it in the Old Testament so where is this coming from actually the testimony of Moses, which is a second temple, uh, basically Bible commentary. Have you ever heard of the book of Enoch, right, among the Jews? It's like their Bible commentary. I don't know if you guys know that or not. And there's another one of those types of books that refers to this, and now it's in our, in our, in our scriptures. It doesn't mean those other Jewish Bible commentaries are scripture, but the ones that get in the scripture is scripture. Amen. Right? So don't freak out about it. It just is what it is. By the way, when circumstances and people and your own heart and mind get stressed out and it's as if the enemy is piling up on you, I recommend you bring out what the archangel Michael brought out against the devil in your prayer time. And just called out every once in a while. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Amen. I like to bring out the lake of fire verse in the, uh, the book of the Revelation. Right? Just remind him of his destiny and his end. Verse 10. But these men, back to the false teachers, revile the things which they do not understand and the things which they know by instinct like unreasoning animals. By these things, they are destroyed. They are destroyed. We do not want to be destroyed. Amen. Amen. More on that, but my time is running out. Number two, let's avoid Balaam. Let's avoid Balaam. What's going on there? Remember to avoid the sin of greed. Of greed. Verse 11 says, woe to them. That's, a, that's what Old Testament prophets would use to pronounce God's judgment on a person or nation. That one little word is a big word. Woe. It's judgment. Every city that Jesus said woe to is not standing today. So he's pronouncing judgment on these false teachers. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and for pay they have rushed headlong into the air of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. 
Did I bring this? Yes, I, I did. I brought that up. Okay, there it is. You can see that. So we're going to skip Cain because Cain is in Genesis, uh, what? Is it four? I think it's four. So we'll skip that. He's not in Numbers. But Balaam in Numbers is a false prophet figure, and he was responsible for the apostasy of Israel recorded in Numbers 25 where they're, they're playing the harlot with idolatry and this one guy takes one, I think it's a Midianite woman, you remember that? And he's like, hey, look at this woman that I got. Isn't she awesome? And they go into the tent and start having sex. Remember that? Remember that? And one guy takes, I forgot his name. Who's the guy that takes the spear? Phineas, thank you, you're good. Phineas takes the spear, goes into the, uh, the tent and puts it through both of them. Human... Uh, shish kebab basically kills both of them and we look at that and say oh wow and we should but guess what that was good because that stopped the plague that was breaking out and only 24,000 people died wow we need to avoid the the sin of greed because it was greed that uh, moved and motivated Balaam Numbers 25.9, those who died by the plague were 24,000. We look at that and say, oh my word, how could that happen? And we should be thanking God, oh, it wasn't everybody. Right? It wasn't everybody. Numbers 31.16, behold, these caused the sons of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. So the plague was... uh, among the congregation of the Lord. Number three, Korah. We've got to avoid the sin of Korah, which was rebelling against the spiritual authority of Moses and Aaron. Um, If you would, turn with me to uh, number 16 so we can see this together. Number 16. If you'd like to just hear me read it, I'll read these verses, but I'm going to read a chunk from number 16. I hear the word of God being, uh, the pages being turned. Amen. Number 16, beginning in verse 1. Now Korah, the son of Izar, the son of Koath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, why does the Lord have all these be- difficult names to pronounce in his scriptures? It's the humble pastors. I'm telling you, that's why. And on the sons of Peleth, the sons of Reuben took action, and they rose up against Moses together with the sons of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation chosen in the assembly, and notice, men of renown. These are men of renown. These are deacons. These are Sunday school teachers, right? These are men of renown. Uh, these are men of stature within the congregation they assemble together against Moses and Aaron by the way I'm not saying any deacons are like rising up or Sunday school teachers are rising up okay. everybody relax I'm just saying they're men of renown they're, they're respected uh, they assembled together against Moses and Aaron and said to them you have gone far enough for all the congregation are holy every one of them and the Lord is in their midst so why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord who are you a a called man of God will always be open to that charge 
always. Jump down to verse 31. As he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was under them split open. Kick it, Pac-Man time. Students, do you know what Pac-Man is? It was a video game long ago that was created. And it had like a round thing with a big mouth and it gobbled up these dots. And good, you good, you You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Right now it'd be cool for a video clip. You want to see it? Just kidding. There's only so much time to gather up in a message. Do you actually really need that? Come on. All right. I'll start dancing for you all. Verse 31. As he finished speaking all these words, the ground that was open, uh, was under them, split open, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, and their households and all the men who belonged to Korah with their possessions. So they and all... Uh, that belonged to them went down alive to Sheol and then the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly and all God's people said what verse 34 all Israel who were around them fled at their outcry for they said the earth may swallow us up yeah you're right because to rebel against those who are in authority over you is to rebel against the God who sent them to you, right? Verse 35, fire also came forth from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering the incense. So Korah with Dathan and Abiram led a rebellion against the authority of Moses and Aaron. Korah was a notorious figure in Jewish tradition. He became the classic example of the, um, the type of teaching that basically says, hey, the grace of God, do whatever you want. The technical term, right, is antinomian. He's an antinomian heretic. Hey, the love of God, don't worry about sin. Grace, grace, grace. He's kind of, you know, real light, real light on sin. No, no. Well, do you remember, beloved, how I began this message? Chuck Yeager, remember that? 150 feet off the floor, upside down. But his aileron got locked up. Why? Somebody installed that one bolt upside down. Well, guess what? The culprit that did that was actually found in a North American plant and he was an older man on the assembly line who stubbornly and purposely ignored instructions on how to insert that little bolt. And so they found him and they spoke to him and they're asking him, why didn't you follow directions? Why didn't you follow what we told you to do? And here's his response. He basically said, that he knew that bolts were supposed to be placed head up, not head down. He knew wrong. He knew wrong. In a sad commentary, Jaeger says that nobody ever told that old man how many pilots he had killed. Here's the warning. False teachers are in the church. They come from within, they come from without. And they turn the gospel of Jesus Christ upside down. And it causes people to go soft on sin. 
turn the grace of God into licentiousness. So as I appeal to you today, let's keep fighting sin together. Amen? Together. Together. Let's keep fighting sin together because Christians who do not fight sin are not true Christians. I'll repeat that. Christians who do not fight sin are not true Christians. And that's the warning here. That's the warning here. And blessed be to God, thank God for sending Jesus Christ because all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. Right? That's why there's a church here. In his immeasurable grace, he's called us from eternity past. He called us in place and time to surrender to Jesus Christ so that we might be forgiven of our sins and all of our sins. And that's why he calls us to remember, to remember at the table is so precious. It's such a holy time. We should not take that lightly. That's one fear that me and Pastor John had when we went to uh, the Lord's Supper going weekly. That, that's a pitfall for churches that do this weekly. Right? Where we're, we're drawing and it just becomes habit and we're not drawing earnestly and rightly. Let's fight sin together, beloved. If you've never prayed to receive Jesus Christ, if you've never fallen at his feet and surrendered, we bid we bid you come, come, believe, and have all of your sins forgiven because of what he did on the cross. Three days later, up from the grave he arose, and there's coming a day he's promised that he's gonna come back, and I've got a feeling it's soon and very soon. How about you? It's like, you know, the mockers will say it's been 2,000, but I'm telling you what, man, somebody changed, somebody switched the dial last year, and it's getting real. And it's going to be so good for the church. So good for the church. Let's pray together. Thank you for your attention. How has the Lord spoken to you?